Podcast 36, welcome back, Cough Combine listeners. Now, this was my second take then, I did stuff up the start, but we're good to go here. Uh, before I get Tony talking, um, as he likes to do, I just wanted to touch on a few things. Uh, feedback has been fantastic on podcasts, and that's not us just making that up. That is actually, we've been getting a lot of messages lately, especially we... Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the Sunday ones we've posted out, but a few clients definitely first Sunday, have. First Sunday one. First Sunday one, but a few clients definitely have, and um, some nearly brought to tears. So we're just rehashing a few of our old podcasts. Well, we know of one nearly brought to tears. I was with him yesterday, and he said it was one of the most beautiful stories, uh, Leo stories. And this guy's being an accountant, uh, works with many Leos, uh, SME owners out there, and he just said, I just love the honesty of it because, yeah, every successful SME owner didn't start off successful. No. And the fact that, you know, the factory burnt down twice and having his two-year-old daughter in the car while he's checking to make sure that, you know, the switches are turned off. He just said, what an amazing story. So we, we will be putting all those out on Sunday, just just rehashing a few of the old ones. Maybe if you want to go listen to us at the start, I think we are getting a little bit better in the way that we go and work together here on these podcasts. We are. <laughs> well, we can get your feedback on that one. But also in regards to our updates that have been sent out fortnightly, um, just if any of you have feedback in regards to those or anything that you want to see, um, send them through and we'll definitely look to uh, add them into the content. I did have a 72-year-old client tell me today he was reading it and I said, oh, how do you like it? He goes, no, it's crap. <laughs> and it was, fair enough, it was about the insurance. So yeah. it wasn't really relevant. No, <laughs> so, definitely wasn't relevant. But, and, and Alan's very straightforward. So, so. But I guess talking about that generation, Tony, um, we've been seeing, there's obviously been a lot of media around uh, Josh Frydenberg coming out saying he's concerned for Australia's ageing population and that there's an economic time bomb. Now, I've made some warnings pre-walking into this room that we're not getting political. I don't know what else to say. So, that's fantastic. I have nothing to say. That, Josh is my local member. Yeah. Shook my hand when I voted for him. Fantastic. Well, there's... Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that? Sorry, did it wasn't I allowed to say that, Jamie? There's a little, no, I tried to stop you, but... But we're not actually going to get into the topic, um, but we're going to get into, I guess, that age demographic of, you know, not everyone wants to work forever. Yeah. Um, and some people do get worried about their retirement, um, especially when they haven't really thought about it until they get to about the age of 65 and then they come to seek help. Yeah. Um, but there is strategies, there is ways of helping people, there is, you know, options to consider. Um, sometimes, from an emotional point, people don't want to consider these options, but sometimes it is the the right way to go but i just wanted to sort of touch on a few of those and different strategies that we help with that type of um, demographic well i suppose the first thing is it's good that they have a financial planner who has no emotional attachment to anything no that's so right. it's, uh, and and that and that's a serious comment because when we look at things for clients we purely look at it from a financial perspective yeah and we don't have any emotional attachments to their house or their investment property or their mother's house that they inherited or or owning BHP shares for 44 years. There is no there is no personal attachment. So we look at always what is in giving them the best financial outcome for what they actually want. And sometimes you can't have it all and you do have to make changes in respect to the structures that you've had for life. Yeah. yeah. And, so, and it is, I guess, we'll get on the um, subject of property, but you know, people have emotional attachment that that's my home. I can't move out of my home. <laughs> Yeah, and it's once upon a time, I suppose it was a case of 
you moved out of your home to go into a nursing home. Yeah. And I remember when I was a kid, which is, you know, many decades ago now, where, you know, I remember my mum, she would say to me, oh, don't worry, you'll just end up putting me in a nursing home. But also, don't worry, you won't get an inheritance. It's all going to the lost dog's home. <laughs> so, but it's it really come down to the fact that you moved out of the home, you went into a nursing home, and then you died. Now, 50 years on, that's where my mum, you know, is now 80. That doesn't happen anymore. So yeah. you, you there's actually... That, there's that ageing population. There is that ageing population. And when you consider that... Uh, if we went back 50 years ago, I think the average age for a female was, I think, 70. Uh, the average age for a female now is 84 and a half. So, and you, a female actually got the age pension at age 60. A male got it at age 65. A yep. uh, bit of an inequality there. Uh, but that that was uh, changed probably about... Ooh, three decades ago now, two and a half decades ago, where there was equality, well, it actually crept, so the women's age for retirement crept up to the men's, being age 65, now it's age 67 and a half for both. So in respect to the age pension I'm talking about there. So, yeah, I I suppose that's an example of uh, longevity. Uh, And one of the reasons being is we don't die of things anymore. So if you took, for example, and I like to use personal examples, but one's very close to my heart is my father. Um, as a lot of our clients know, my father was our first ever trauma insurance claim. Now, he he uh, had a stroke at age 62. Now, that stroke, if that was a decade earlier, most likely would have killed him. But because uh, it certainly would have severely disabled him, uh, he had no quality of life. Now, Dad stayed alive for 17 years after that stroke. At age 64, he had a heart attack. Uh, then he had triple bypass surgery, and then he had three other heart attacks, and he had Alzheimer's for the last six years of his life, where the last two years were just horrible for him and and uh, all of us, especially my mum. So when you consider that, we actually don't die of things any more than what we did. So we do have longevity. Sometimes longevity is because we get pumped full of drugs. Uh, but with that longevity, if you consider how are those things paid for, or... You do retire at age 60 and you don't die at age 70 anymore and you live to age 90, how is that longevity actually paid for with that, um, the living of just having to live and having to make decisions? Yeah, and so I guess where we're sort of talking and a few of the strategies we'll discuss is people that, you know, maybe don't want this, want more spending than what the age pension will bring, yeah. maybe they're not eligible and things like that. But let's start with that first one. Let's start with the home. What, yeah. What's that strategy we're talking around here? Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, the family home is exempt from the asset test for the age pension. So if somebody's looking at getting the age pension, they might have $200,000 worth of investments, but be living in a $3 million house. They, They will be eligible for the age pension under those circumstances. But the scenario then is that, and we've got a client uh, who lives in Reservoir who's in this situation, so she gets the age pension. Uh, Unfortunately, her husband passed away from asbestos poisoning, got a large payout. And one of the major issues for her is that she was actually going to lose the age pension because of this large payout that she got that had her well over the asset test. Uh, Didn't matter how many holidays she got, she wasn't going to be spending that money. But she lives in a very large house out in Reservoir, 
and she doesn't want to sell it. And the reason why she won't actually sell it is because her husband built it. And she's got this really large house, lives there by herself, three adult children, the youngest being 40 um, or 45, and lives in this you know, big house by herself covered in plastic and basically just lives in the kitchen. Now, she stopped getting the age pension and she stops getting the age pension because she got this payout, this large payout. The thing to consider, though, is that it isn't this number, but let's say, for example, you had a million dollars. You got a million dollars, which is, and you have a very low risk tolerance. If you have a million dollars and with no risk tolerance, never been invested before, and even just stick it into an annuity where you probably get a better rate, lifetime rate of about 1.8%, that pays you $18,000 a year. That's actually less than the age pension if she was actually getting it. So the ticking time bomb is that with interest rates so low, people are facing double dilemmas. Now, if it, if it was the client who had $200,000 and was getting the age pension, lived in a $3 million house, it would certainly be recommending that they actually downsize and sell the house. Now, there is the downsize of contributions rule, so you can be over the age of 67 or over the age of 70 even where your superannuation contributions would kick out but you have the ability to sell the house uh, downsize you don't actually have to immediately downsize so you sell that house for two million buy one where you can actually comfortably live in uh, now that isn't too big for you that cost you a million dollars have a million dollars left over stick 600 grand into uh, superannuation um, as non-concessional contributions and that gives you a tax-free income on top of your partial age pension and on top of still having some liquid assets. So so you actually are in a better financial position if you can make those emotional decisions. But, you know, Josh Frydenberg, he, he is correct in what he said, but it's a really hard thing to be forced to have to downsize or be forced to have to sell your business because, you know, you might have been a tradie for... 35 years and you just physically the idea of staying on the tools for the next five or seven years is just physically you it's know hard. right just the yeah it's just physically can't do it anymore yeah you know, so so i think josh josh frydenberg is correct and i think any politician who says from any side of government um says he's not he's not realistically looking at the real picture but it's not as if something can't be done. You know, so it's what, and it's more to the fact then of what can be done, what strategies can be utilised, how can you get an income that you don't have to pay tax on legally? Yep. I'm not talking about doing any wizardry or grey areas or anything so like what, that. Okay, just so there, there's the downsizing. So the, downsizing you know, contribution into superannuation. A yeah. client doesn't want to downsize. They have some you know, funds where they're not getting the age pension. Um, what other areas and strategies can we look at at that age? Well, it still comes down to a lot of... To become an investor for the first time at age 70 is and try to understand the risks involved with shares and things like that that's really daunting yeah if you've been in shares your entire life at age 70 just continues uh yeah. so it's not an issue yeah, the so other, the other one i guess the daunting part is there's other been other people in the regards to um annuities and actually understanding annuities because it's you know we're putting money away in a lifetime annuity you know they're not counting some of that and it's like oh hang on am i doing something dodgy here or it's just an annuity <laughs> yeah that's right it's annuities there's I mean there's several different types of annuities but for pensioners one of the ones that can actually be so people aren't getting the full pension 
that can actually be very effective is using that lifetime annuity where basically 10% of that asset uh, every year is actually discounted for Centrelink purposes. So you, uh, your pension can actually go up every year yeah. because your asset test is actually, your assets under the asset test is actually reducing every year. But you marry that in with uh, something like a superannuation fund that has maybe a balanced fund that has 50% exposure uh, to growth assets such as shares, if you're throwing the annuity into the mix as well, you might end up having 20 or 30% exposure to growth assets. There's not much volatility in that. So your overall position, you're not going to be, even even if a GFC occurred and you had a 10% drop over that side, your total portfolio is, you know, it's, it's still very healthy because your annuities don't fluctuate. You're locked into that interest rate. It just doesn't fluctuate. Yeah. And we've had some clients, in actual fact, that client is the example I gave earlier. We locked her into a lifetime annuity probably four or five years ago now, but she would have been locked in at an interest rate of five and a half percent. I mean, right now she's laughing. Yeah. Yeah, so she actually has to pay tax. <laughs> so it's, uh, but she, it, when I say laughing, it's it's been locked in at five and a half percent at the time, seems uh, that that's a low rate. You're looking at the interest rates yeah. that we're getting now, that's an exceptional rate where your capital is uh, guaranteed. You, you don't have any risk to capital or market fluctuations and you get an interest rate currently two and a half times more than the so, interest rates out so there. So another concern I guess clients have had if they're in a lifetime annuity um, and saying the money's locked away, yeah. they, they ask the question, well, what if I'm to die? Is that going to my family? Uh, it depends on the circumstances. So if we're talking a married couple, it can actually just go, so you actually don't lose the capital within the first 15 years. Once again, depending on the annuity, how it's structured, but your capital is not at risk for the first 15 years, then after that it can cut out. So these, once again, is where the strategies that you come into where you say, okay, we're at the 14 and a half year mark now. Do we cash out of this annuity? Now, in cashing out of this annuity, you might end up losing part of your pension under the new asset test because you've gone from $200,000 to having nil assets, all of a sudden being in $200,000 again. But that scenario is that if health-wise you're doing okay but nothing fantastic, or you might be, you know, you put that annuity in place when you're 65 and you're now... Uh, 75, 80 years old, it might be a case of let's cash it out now and let's start drawing down because at least that capital will go to the estate or the family in the event of your passing. Yeah. So, so, so these are strategies that you, it's not a set and forget. You always have to look at these strategies. Yeah. So if you're single and you're to, you've got a lifetime annuity after seven years, you're to pass away suddenly. Pays happened? out to your estate. That's not an issue. Capital yeah. pays out to your estate. It's not lost. No, it's yeah. not lost. And that's yeah. something. That so you're not making a bet with your health until year 15 with the annuity provider. I think that's where some of the confusion can sometimes come in. Well, it's, it's because also there's so many different types of annuities, term certain annuities, there's short term, there's long term. You can you could have a term, a 15 year term certain, you could have a three year term certain, you can have drawdown. So you can have nil return of capital value, you can have up to any, and anywhere from nil to 100% return of capital value. So it's, you know, sometimes we put clients into annuities where they can just get an income from it not based on, it had nothing to do with the pension whatsoever. It's got nothing to do with the asset test. They're well over that. They're not going to get any pension or um, et cetera. 
but it's just a case of getting that steady income because markets are a bit volatile at the moment. And rather than putting that on market, it's just in their circumstances, we would put that into the annuity so all the rest of the investments can just be reinvested as well. So, And that might just be one or two years. And the basis is, think of a term deposit, slightly higher return, uh, but it pays the income monthly rather yeah. than actually just getting a lump sum at the end of that term. Yes, yeah, to help with cash flow and things like that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, rather than getting a lump sum every 12 months and then living off that, you get monthly income into your bank account and you live off that, it's far easier to budget. Very much so. Um, other areas that you look at with people around that retirement age? Uh, I think, first of all, the most important thing to say is everybody is different. Yep. So everyone's circumstances are different. It's realistically, if, if someone can get an age pension or part age pension, it's not free money, but it is a case of that it does come with a lot of other benefits attached to it as well. And the reason why I say it's not free money is because, you know, without getting political, Jamie, somebody has to actually pay for it. And it's paid usually through the taxes that you've paid. So, you know, I think it's, I think according to my tax return last year, something like about 40% of all of my tax that I paid ends up going to getting paid out in social security of some form. So 40 or 50%. So it's a large number that gets paid out in social services. So that includes the Dole, New Start, Age Pension, etc. So those people who have worked their lives to made for those You assume so, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, and, and you know, there's, there's difference in respect to younger people today won't have to worry about the age pension, but people who didn't have the benefit of a superannuation system and it only came into play when they were 55, they're not going to be retiring, you know, with million dollar million dollars sitting in their super fund, they're going to be retiring maybe for a couple hundred grand, and that might be the only savings that they've got. Yep. Besides their house that they bought for 15 grand, that's now valued at 1.5 million. That's four bedrooms in the suburbs, and the kids come and see them once a fortnight. That's when the question gets asked, do they need the four bedrooms, or is it easier for them to downsize to a two-bedroom unit? Uh, and, you know, so, and my parents did that. Uh, they downsized from their four-bedroom house in Mooney Ponds uh, to a two-bedroom unit because the way they figured is that my sister and I weren't going to come out for sleepovers anymore. Um, and, you know, the, I've never known the grandkids, actually. Michelle's might have, but mine certainly <laughs> haven't had sleepovers. So she doesn't need more than those two bedrooms. Yeah. Uh, and that suits her, and especially now Dad's passed, that suits her. You know, she's got a kitchen, her, her bathroom, her lounge room, her small garden at the front, and her two bedrooms. You know, so she does have friends that come in state and stay over and things like that. So. Yeah. But, but I think it's making that decision. You know, or sometimes it's a case of, you know what, you have to downsize to clear debt uh, to be able to live and then clear your debt, live, have a house debt-free, you're getting an income, or all of a sudden you can comfortably live off the age pension. I wouldn't say comfortably. It depends on what lifestyle you want. But yeah. I'm also a believer too, as you know, I always suggest to my clients, even with longevity, whilst you physically can, enjoy some of the money. Yeah. Don't leave it to people like yourself, Jamie. You know, yeah. Yeah, Carmen Dubs, enjoy, enjoy your enjoy your retirement. <laughs> Jamie and, and Sarah should be well looked after. Thank you very much. So, Tony, I appreciate your time. A um, bit of a different subject to what we've done, but yep. I thought it's important. Hopefully, Alan likes this better than the insurance article. But as I said, with our clients and people listening, um, if you have ideas or anything that you want to hear us talk about, please let us know, and the feedback's been great. Yeah, actually, it was interesting. One bit of feedback that we got where we were actually just talking is, so it's just before we close off here, is that um, 
we've asked Leo Mameso's daughter, Clara, to actually come in and have a chat to us on the podcast because people were so taken back by Leo's podcast, we're actually now going to get to speak to that two-year-old who was in the back of the car about what it was like growing up with an entrepreneurial father, a very hard worker. Um, but, you know, he worked hard, gave her a good education. She studied law. She's graduating. She's done well. She's a very successful influencer or Instagram influencer in her own right. So she, it's, it's actually being the daughter of, um, you know, a entrepreneur and where she's going in her own direction now, uh, rather than taking over dad's business, she's going in her own direction and done really well. So that'll be an interesting story of talking to that next generation. Next gen. Yeah, so I think that'll be good. So I know you'll be organising that. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. All right, thank you very much, guys. Thanks.